what just happened? Am I going crazy? I thought I saw him in the car with her. Or, she is my friend. <laughs> I really love that girl. It, it can't be true. Or, what is wrong with you, Lori? You call yourself a Christian and you think such wicked things about this young girl who loves you. Hey, does any of that sound familiar? You have been gaslighted. Be sure to check out our healing resources at www.victoriousanyway.co. My Break the Silence memoir is called Married by Myself. Two journals for processing your own healing are offered. One is Married by Myself Journal to Healing, and the other is kind of a generic happy thoughts, a 31-day journey to cultivating joy. They are available for purchase on the website along with my offer for four weeks of coaching with one-on-one -on -one time with me. Let's get this healing started. So gaslighting, that's today's topic. That's this week's topic. In 2022, at the end of the year, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary declared that the winner of the word of the year was gaslighting. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means people have been looking up the word gaslighting in the year 2022 more than any other word that they searched for that year. The question becomes, what? What is the word? What does that mean? And today is part of the answer. So here at the Church Abused Coach Podcast, we look at abuse issues, abuse issues that are within the church that happen at the hands of the man or the woman of God. Well, in this case, the idea of gaslighting is much broader than the church. So this podcast may reach out to a lot more people to say, hey, you should listen to this thing about gaslighting. But in my personal experience, which I'll pull from today, along with citing um, several articles that have been written about the subject, um, we are talking about gaslighting and how it is abusive in relationships and especially uh, hideous, I guess, if it's in a relationship within the house of God. So let's go for that definition that everybody found on Merriam-Webster's uh, dictionary. Definition one, this is a noun. Psychological manipulation of a person, usually over an extended period of time, that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts, perception of reality, or memories, and typically leads to confusion, loss of confidence, and self-esteem, uncertainty of one's emotional or mental stability, and a dependency on the perpetrator. Ooh, that was number one. Number two, gaslighting as a noun. The act or practice of grossly misleading someone, especially for one's own advantage. 
and now gaslighting is a verb which is used with an object and for you grammar nuts out there that would make it a transitive verb that definition is to cause a person to doubt his or her sanity through the use of psychological manipulation so there it is that's the word that so many people looked up in 2022 what was funny for me is I was writing the manuscript in the fall of 2022 for my memoir, which is about my first marriage and subsequent divorce from a minister who was also a sexual predator, a pedophile, and a porn addict. So there's that story. But I'm going to read from that today. I'm going to read a part that dealt with gaslighting, although what happened to me happened over 30 years ago, and certainly the, oh, just the, the focus on counselors and counseling and mental health and mental health advocacy and an awareness and labels of what happened to you and what, what uh, you were a victim of what and who was the perpetrator, those were not big, prevalent societal questions 30 years ago. So I had never heard of it. Uh, it was probably within the last five years of my life that I even knew what the term was. But we're going to look into the history and figure out, hey, where'd this thing come from and why is it called that? But before we do, let me read to you from page 77. So I am just telling my story of uh, my suspicions, uh, constant suspicions, that something was amiss. Uh, my husband was a youth pastor, so and I was a high school English teacher, so both of us uh, knew that about each other before we married, and I really thought that was cool that we both had such a heart for teenagers, and I was so about that, and so about Jesus, and so about us being an incredible team for the Lord, but in this chapter, we are in, let's see, our third, third church, um, and we're on our second son, and all the old suspicions and all the wonderings uh, just keep coming back. They keep following no matter where we live and uh, who pays our paycheck. So here we are in an incident um, where I'm first going to really write about gaslighting. One night, he, my ex-husband, went out to buy bottle inserts for Brady's nightly bottle, as we use Playtex bottles. Brady never took a pacifier and never sucked his thumb, but he was deeply committed to his nightly bottle. He was crying when we discovered there were no more inserts, so a run to the store a mile away was imperative. All you parents out there know what I'm saying. All right, turning the page. Uh, Doug left, and I rocked and swayed with Brady for two hours. Have you ever tried to comfort a screaming child for hours? The longer he cried, the more aggravated I became with Doug. What on earth? What was taking so long? Should I call the police? Did he have an accident? Was he with L? 
Brady finally succumbed to sleep without his bottle. I glared at Doug when he entered the house and futilely demanded to know what took him so long. His baby needed a bottle. I don't remember anything more of that night. However, I do remember confronting Doug the next morning as we stood in our living room, overtaken with sunlight. I asked him what was going on with him and Elle. He unabashedly stated that he was with her that night in the parking lot of the grocery store counseling her. She needed to talk. I'm pretty sure I screamed, what? And called it an affair. What is wrong with you, Doug asked. That girl loves you. And these are, these are the filthy things that you think about her? What kind of Christian are you? to think of such foul thoughts. I was deflated. I didn't know about gaslighting back then, but there you have it, a classic case. He knew my buttons, my honest affection for L, and my faith. Although he got me to shut up, the church was another issue. The rumors were gathering substantially, and while everything seemed just slightly off, somewhere in a gray zone, the pastor fired him. Of course, Doug had some lame explanation of how he was victimized, and we went to live in his childhood bedroom, our whole little family of four. I insisted we return to counseling and made an appointment with the satellite office of our original counselor in Ohio. We even went, but against his will. When he declared to the counselor, I always brought up the past and that I could never forgive him and move on. The counselor said, you didn't marry God, you married a woman. I remember it was so soothing to have someone find value in me. Then, of course, I beat myself up, checking my heart for unforgiveness toward my husband in case his accusations were true. By then, I had been properly groomed for gaslighting. So that's my story, my connection with this horrible idea that became the word of the year in 2022. So I want to talk to you about what gaslighting is. I want you to be more aware than I ever was about what it is. And if this is resonating with you and you think it might resonate with someone you know who you suspect is being gaslit, please refer them to, to this podcast, to this free podcast where they can listen and get some information. So I have several articles that I, I want to work from today. The first one is a qualitative study that was done in 23, in 2023, um, by three authors, Klein, Lee, and Wood. And it's a qualitative analysis of gaslighting and romantic relationships. So how interesting that science has begun to study this idea. There's an abstract, of course, to any qualitative or quantitative study. And it is that abstract, that summary that I would like to read from, from that 2023 study. So here we go. Gaslighting is an understudied form of abuse. Uh -huh. wherein a sane and rational survivor 
is convinced of their own incompetence on false pretenses by a perpetrator. The study that these folks did used 65 participants uh, who self-identified that they were gaslighted in romantic relationships. And those 65 people filled out a qualitative survey where they described three things, instances of gaslighting, the features of their relationships, and the consequences of gaslighting on their mental health. Okay. Ages 18 to 69, female, heterosexual. So gaslighting occurs within relationships that are typified by a combination of affectionate and abusive behaviors. Okay, let's take a minute there. You got to have both because nobody's going to stay if it's just abusive. But there's this bizarre connection, this combination of affection and abuse that is extended over the course of a relationship. Gaslighting victimization was associated with three things. Diminished sense of self, mistrust of others, and occasional post-traumatic growth. Those who recovered from gaslighting often emphasized three things. The importance of separation from the perpetrator. The prioritization of healthier relationships. And three, engaging in meaningful and re-embodying activities. There's some healing. The study does provide a basis for further research into gaslighting and recovery from gaslighting, which will contribute, of course, to the prevention and treatment for this type of abuse that we're now just being um, more recently paying attention to, that this is a serious thing and we need to study it. And these folks called it an understudied form of abuse. So if you are looking for something to study and this kind of piques your interest, how wonderful would it be if you contributed to this important body of scientific inquiry? So when I read through these things as a victim of gaslighting, I would say absolutely the victimization for me was definitely associated with a diminished sense of self. I started not being able to trust me. And then other people seemed suspicious. It seemed like I thought I knew them. I thought I did. I thought I understood. And so I experienced that mistrust of others. Um, in my recovery, it took me nine and a half years to finally leave, but do what uh, the the uh, uh, participants in the study, couldn't find my word, the participants in the study emphasized the importance of separation from the perpetrator. And it took me a while. It might be taking you a while. But there is great importance in separating from the perpetrator. Uh, get out of that environment. Your head is not going to clear if you stay. 
So I'm not saying you have to divorce your person. I'm saying you need to get out of there for your own mental health. What happens after that's a different story. But there is a great importance in the separation from the perpetrator. And there's also a, a great importance on healthy relationships because after having such devastation and having such broken trust, it is so important that there be healthier relationships all around you so you can feel the difference and it can help with the healing. God did that for me because I wasn't smart enough uh, to know even what happened to me. But I remember after I separated and, and subsequently filed for a divorce, um, I took my three sons and I moved about six miles away into a different state and town. And God provided something that I've never known since then. This plethora of women of God. And it was so cool because the town was very small and had several churches in it. Uh, 1,300 people and seven churches, uh, several churches. But the women who came together came together for an ecumenical Bible study. So these women were studying the Bible, and it didn't matter what church you were from. And so many of them were not even from the town. But all these women came together, and we just did not study the Bible. We invested, we were invested in each other's lives and stories. We were invested in joy, um, traveling together, women of faith conferences. I am telling you, in my 61 years of life, I have never known such rich, uplifting, positive uh, friendships ever. And many, many of the women are still uh, we're still friends now, even though geographically we're separated and by time we're separated. We can just sit down in a restaurant with a cup of coffee and just for hours and hours extol the amazing works of our God and Savior. So that I can attest to too. It's so, so important that you allow yourself to be surrounded by people of God who are going to love on you and be normal around you and have healthier relationships for sure, for sure. So um, I want to give you some definitions from the articles that were written. Um, some bottom line definitions of what on earth this is called besides its dictionary definition. So there's an article in 2023 from Psychology Today, and I'll, I'll put these uh, notes, I'll put these uh, uh, links. That's the word I want. What is that? Words today. I'll put these links in the show notes so that if you want to read these actual articles, you can go ahead and do that. That's such a wise thing to do in today's day and age of misinformation. So, the Psychology Today article reads this way as it begins. Gaslighting is an insidious, oh, isn't that a great word? It's so evil, so wicked. Let's do it again. Gaslighting is an insidious form of manipulation and psychological control. Oh, let's pause there. I had no idea it was about that. 
I just knew that I felt like I was going crazy. <clears throat> Victims of gaslighting are deliberately and systematically fell, fed false information that leads them to question what they know to be true, often about themselves. They may, up, may end up doubting their memory, their perception, and even their sanity. I'm going to say amen to that. Over time, a gaslighter's manipulations can grow more complex and potent, making it increasingly difficult for the victim to see the truth. Now, I want to give you my life experience about why that article is true. I used to hold up a pen. This is back before I knew the word gaslighting. But I would hold up a pen and I would say to somebody, my ex-husband can make you believe this is a taco. Now that sentence sounds like it's coming from someone who has lost their sanity. But I'm not kidding. And anyone who has been a victim of gaslighting, you know I'm not kidding. That's how crazy you feel. You're like... I how does he do it? How does he do it? How does he mess with me? I mean, I'm looking at it and I know the difference between a taco and a pen. But he always messes with me and he always makes me doubt what I'm doing. And he definitely knows all my buttons, right? In retrospect, I see that. Because I have to tell you people, I was not someone who could be easily messed with in, in, in this. Now, I was young when I got married. I was 19. But I had every environmental reason to be healthy. I had two parents who loved each other and loved God in front of me my entire life. I had a younger brother and sister. My family was this loving, healthy, together family. I graduated a year early from high school. So I was a little unusual in that regard because I, I had enough credits and I had pursued that, um, that I could graduate a year early. So I was, I, I think it's fair to say that I was an intelligent young woman. I graduated with honors and earned a Regent scholarship in uh, New York State. I then got a Bachelor of Science degree, completed four years of school. I had become the mother of three beautiful little boys in all of this time and all my gaslighting history. I was um, a competent faculty member. I was a community theater director, and I was a minister's wife who did all the minister's wife things and participated in the church. All those balls being juggled in the air, I was supposed to be okay. And this gaslighting can mess with anybody. It messed with me so badly, so badly. I doubted my sanity. I doubted truth. My mind was always tied up in knots. I could not drive my car at the end of nine and a half years, more than six miles away to, to work, just six miles. I didn't have the confidence to drive the car to the mall. So 
This gaslighting is insidious. It is a, a manipulative tool and it makes it year after year more difficult for the victim to see the truth. Next definition. In The Guardian, another magazine, this was published in November of 2022. It's a, the title says, Gaslighting is Word of the Year, says Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Uh, here's their definition as they begin their article. Gaslighting is a heinous tool. Isn't that fun? We have insidious and heinous. Need to look them up if you don't know them because they're just perfect. Um, heinous tool frequently used by abusers in relationships and by politicians and other newsmakers. It can happen between romantic partners within a broader family unit and among friends. It could be a corporate tactic or a way to mislead the public. There's also medical gaslighting when a healthcare professional dismisses a patient's symptoms or illness as, hey, it's all in your head. Whoa, okay, so we are actually moving outside of this just being a church abuse issue. We are moving outside of this just being a romantic relationship or committed relationship tool to even the idea that this deliberate manipulation to mislead somebody can show up in corporations, in medicine, in government, till we all feel like we're crazy. Hmm. That's topic for another day. So let's go to the origin. Where did uh, where this term come from? Because we know the word gas, and we know the word lighting, and we're pretty sure that that doesn't have a lot to do with what's going on inside someone's head. So let's look at where it came from. I've got a couple of places that deal with that. And this comes from an NBC News article on November 29th of 2022. According to them, the term sprung from a movie that came out in 1944, Gaslight is set in the 1880s when lamps were fueled by gas. Aha! It depicts a husband, the movie does, manipulating his wife, there's the connection, believing she's crazy, into believing she's crazy. His goal is to commit her to an asylum, find the jewels her aunt hid in an attic, and claim her fortune as his own. So, guy's got purpose. He's doing it on purpose, and his, he's got to get her to believe she's crazy. So he's working hard on that using gas in lights. Okay. Whenever he is in the attic looking for the jewels, he turns on the lights, which, because of the way the gas works, causes the lights to dim in other parts of the house. But he repeatedly tells his wife she's imagining the dimming. Ooh. Right? And how do you prove that? How do you, how do you prove that? You're like, no, it's definitely not as bright in here as it was. You know, 
Can, can you hear that argument? Um, okay, now, Psychology Today, that article I cited before, also talks about the origin. So, it reads, the term gaslighting comes from a 1938 play, Gaslight, and its film adaptation. Gaslighting can occur in personal or professional relationships, and victims are targeted at their core, at the core of their being, their sense of identity and self-worth. Manipulative people who engage in gaslighting do so to attain power over their victims, either because they simply derive warped enjoyment from the act or because they wish to emotionally, physically, or financially control their victim. So all of that is supported in this original play, which became a movie as well. I do want to mention right here, though, the derived uh, that that the um, perpetrator derives warped enjoyment. I want to talk about that for a second, because all through the years, I I loved my husband, and I wanted, I wanted to make sense. I think the mind does want to make sense of things. And I wanted to make sense of what was going on. So eventually, I began to believe that there has to be some sort of mental illness because I know this man and he is not this evil, awful man, right? Um, And he did enough of the kind and affectionate things to keep me there but mess with me. And I remember after the separation, I would interact with him occasionally there in uh, the first couple of months when he would come and pick up the children to take them um, for the day or whatever he was doing. And it was in one of those moments because I had really been working with a member of my ex-husband's family, telling him stories, his brother, and saying, can you help? I think maybe it's this, or I think maybe it's that. There's something, there's some sickness, there's some mental illness. And on one of those days, when he came to pick up the boys, he said, you keep trying to make this about me being sick. I did everything I did to you on purpose. Wow. For a warped sense of enjoyment? I honestly, I at that moment thought, you know, I've never, I've never encountered an evil like I have right now. I've, I've never seen evil like I see it right now. Never again like that. That is mind-blowing evil to me. Um, There's one more origin story from the Guardian article that says there are two film adaptations of the 1938 play that was featured, the, the films in 1940s. One, 
George Cougar, Ga Cougar's Gaslight, 1944, starred Ingrid Bergman as Paula Alquist and Charles Boyer as Gregory Anton. The two marry after a whirlwind romance, and Gregory turns out to be a champion gaslighter. Among other instances, he insists her complaints over the constant dimming of their London townhouse gaslights is a figment of her troubled mind. It wasn't. Okay. So, that's what gaslighting is. That's where it came from. And now, let's look at an article, a piece of an article here. Uh, from the Guardian once again. Then um, I have four questions that Psychology Today article is going to answer for us. So uh, let me read from uh, the Guardian again, uh, covering the fact that gaslighting is the word of the year. The term gaslighting was later used by mental health practitioners to clinically describe a form of prolonged coercive control in abusive relationships. So notice that it starts with a movie, right? It's a movie and a play of some guy trying to make his wife feel like she's crazy. And years later, we realize, oh, this is not just the plot of a movie. This is something that some guys do. People do this. Um, for me, the prolonged coercive control lasted nine and a half years. What about you? There is this implication of an intentional deception. And once one is aware of that deception, it's not just a straightforward lie as in, you know, I didn't eat the cookies in the cookie jar. It's something that has a little bit more devious quality to it. It has possibility, has possibility in an idea of strategy or a long-term plan. Like my ex-husband's sentence, I did everything I did to you on purpose. And that article also cites how important it is that the word in 2022 be the word of the year. Here's how it happens with Merriam-Webster. That, that online site logs 100 million page views every month on its site. So from January to December, 100 million times 12 months. And then they choose uh, the word that's going to be word of the year based solely on data. It's not anybody's opinion. It's just how many times have people looked for that. So, uh, Mr. Sokolowski and his team weeded out evergreen words most commonly looked up to gauge a word which received a significant bump over the years before. And that's how it got to be word of the year. So, what is that saying to us? People are becoming aware that they are being gaslighted, that there's a name for it. I remember laughing and calling my publisher 
and saying, I'm writing about this. I looked up the dictionary definition and put it in my memoir. And it ends up being the word of the year. Is this a timely memoir or what? Because people were ripe for looking up this idea. So the Psychology Today article answers um, four questions. No, one, two, let me count. Three, four, yes. Okay, I can count. So first, uh, the questions are, how does gaslighting begin? What are a gaslighter's tactics? Who becomes a gaslighter? And how does gaslighting change a victim? So real quickly here, we're going to go through those. I'm just going to read from here and uh, make some commentary. How does gaslighting begin? Well, here's what they say. A relationship with a gaslighter may seem to start out quite well. They may praise the victim on a first date and immediately confide in them. Such disclosure, before any intimacy has been established, establishes trust quickly. It's part of a tactic known as love bombing. I didn't even know that was a thing. The more quickly a victim becomes enamored, the more quickly the next phase of manipulation can begin. Now, I have to say I can testify to that. Yes, how does it start? That whole idea of confiding in me, of telling me something that he couldn't tell anyone else. I was the person who could understand it. And I do know, because I've talked to several of his other victims, that he did that with them as well. He knew exactly the things that the person was about and used it and told this very important, deep part of his heart to, I love the Lord. So he talked to me about Jesus. I love teenagers and I was going to work with teenagers. So he talked to me about that. He visioned that with me. Um, I was always the champion for the underdog. So he explained to me how he was an underdog and how he had been a victim. Okay. So it all worked really well. But that confide in me thing. Ooh, watch out for that. Number two, what are a gaslighter's tactics? Well, here it says a gaslighter will initially lie about simple things. They're just stupid, simple things. I remember one of my sons went to live with his dad for a few years, and that's whole story in a whole book by itself. But when he came home after those years, he said to me, Mom, Dad lies about potato chips. And I thought, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Positive identification, yes, I know who you were with. Because who needs to lie about potato chips? No one. All right. So a gaslighter will initially lie about simple things, but the volume of misinformation soon grows. And the gaslighter may accuse the victim of lying mm, if he or she questions the narrative. They typically deploy occasional positive reinforcement to confuse the victim. Yeah, be nice to me. But at the same time, they may attempt to turn others against the victim, even their own friends and family, by telling them that the victim is lying or the victim is delusional. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the tables get turned. If you ever feel like, 
how do the tables get turned? We're talking about you. We're talking about what you said. We're talking about what you did. And all of a sudden, I'm now we're talking about me and something that you say I did. Uh-huh. All right, question three. Who becomes a gaslighter? Those who employ this tactic often have a personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and psycho psycho how do you say that? Psychopathy? Psychopathy. Chief among them. So those could be the three diagnoses um, with the person who is doing this. Manipulators have a tendency, oh, this is rough, to present one face to their prey and another to the rest of the world. Mm, I know that's so true. I remember one Sunday I said to my minister husband, I was getting dinner on the table, the big Sunday afternoon dinner. Those of you who know, you know, okay? It's a big deal. Sunday afternoon dinner followed by the nap, the sacred nap. Um, older we grow, the more we appreciate that nap. Okay, so I was getting dinner on the table and I remember saying to him, I wish I could go home with the man in the pulpit. And he said, well, that's stupid. You do. And I just looked at him just kind of quietly, walked out of the room to go grab something. And I said, but I don't. I don't. There is one face to the prey and one face to the rest of the world. And the article says this leads victims to assume that if they ask for help or if they speak out, no one will believe that they have been manipulated and emotionally abused. Can you see how that can happen? Because to everyone else, he's the life of the party. He's funny and he's kind and he's compassionate. What on earth could I be talking about? That he's hideous and insidious and um, heinous in the way that he treats me. It also says, and this is so true, I can verify, gaslighters typically repeat the tactics across several relationships. And I can tell you, I know and have spoken with seven of my ex-husband's victims, and all of us experienced the gaslighting. We also all got the same song. He wrote a song. He recycled it. But that's a story of another day. All right. Last item. How does gaslighting change a victim? Gaslighting can be psychologically devastating. It violates trust, upends a person's view that people are generally good, and can make them suspicious of everyone who is close to them. Falling victim to a gaslighter also erodes a person's trust in themselves oh, and makes them forget what they once valued about themselves. After all, it's easy to blame themselves for having been too trusting, vulnerable, dependent. The experience may make a victim never want to be part of a relationship again. <sighs> the damage I can say, yes, 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 is the trust you have in yourself and the trust that you dare to hand out to someone else. 
you don't know who to trust anymore. Because if you missed it in this relationship, on this in this very important, intense relationship, what are the chances that you could miss it somewhere else? If this if this is you, if this has happened to you, like it happened to me, I'm so glad you're here. Please know that I, as the church abused podcast host, have personal coaching, just four sessions available to promote healing that will allow you to find some abundant life in Christ and to live victorious anyway. Those sessions can be found, of course, on my website, uh, victoriousanyway.co. Scroll to the Church Abuse Coach section and go ahead and sign up there. Um, It is my honor. It's my healing. It's the answer to my prayer. God, please let me use the pain someday for some good. And that's what we do here. We break the silence on the issues that the church doesn't maybe talk about as much as it could. We find the healing and we live victorious anyway. Thanks for listening.